You're listening to a podcast from Victory. We find our true security in Christ. Learn more about this truth in week two of The Fine Line. Today we are on our second installment of our series, The Fine Line. Would you say those words with me? The Fine Line. This is actually a series on finances, but this is rather different um, in a sense because we're not talking about practical things on finances. This deals with the heart. Uh, last week, we talked about greed. We talked about um, how sometimes we are so maybe sometimes deceived that we don't know that we're all already entrapped with money because uh, money can actually be deceitful. Uh, we, we don't know that um, money can actually entrap us. So for the next uh, four weeks, actually today's the second uh, installment, we're going to be looking at different attitudes when it comes to money. Last week, we focused on greed particularly, and that somehow um, we're not aware that we are also guilty of that. And the best cure for greed is contentment. Everybody say contentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Everybody say great gain. How many of you would like to have great gain today? Okay. Hope not just great gain in uh, weight, but great gain in everything that we have uh, in our walk with the Lord, okay? May it be spiritual, may it be financial, may it be in the area of relationship, in different aspects of life, okay? Today, we're going to be focusing on false hope and true security. We're actually going to uh, focus on just one uh, text this morning, uh, basically from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And this is the book that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy just to give him instruction. He was a young pastor of the uh, church in Ephesus, and basically he was giving instruction on how to run the church and how to also give advice to people. Incidentally, uh, in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, he focused on things about uh, finances. And so we, we want to look at what does this really mean for us today as we apply this in our own personal life. Talking about false hope and true security, where do we put our security in nowadays? I, uh, I realize that you know, if you're looking at true security, sometimes you always look at it in the area of finance and you want to be able to have a secure future. Now, how many of you would like to have a secure future? Okay, that means that's all of us, right? There's nothing wrong with that. All of us would like to have a secure future. Among your earthly possessions, what is the most valuable thing that you have? Is it your house? Is it your investment? Is it your um, negotiable instruments, maybe cash assets, maybe some offshore accounts? Or is it your family? Is it your health? Is it your face? Because you have a face value, right? Is that what we put our trust in and what we consider our security nowadays? Now, we want to look at what does it mean for us to build a lasting security. So I, I would like to invite us to stand. We're going to be reading from one verse this morning from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to what? To enjoy. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the preaching of your word this morning. We ask that you would bless everyone here. We open up our hearts. We thank you once again for your grace that is sufficient for us. Thank you, Lord God, for the grace to obey. 
thank you, Lord God, even right now, you're even transforming our mindsets, transforming our hearts, so that ultimately we will put our trust and security in you. Bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right, so basically this verse is addressing those who are rich. The Apostle Paul is giving a charge to Timothy to teach the rich people. Now, how many of you would consider yourself as rich? Maybe none of you will raise your hands. But in reality, compared to some even lower class people, you and I actually have better chances or opportunities compared to them. And so I think being rich is relative, right? How many of you would agree with me on that? The richer you are, the more relatives you have, right? And so compared to other people, you know, we're richer than them. You know, if you own a car, for example, you're probably more affluent than those who are commuting. But in reality, those who are commuting nowadays have Uber. And so they get to choose their own cars and their own drivers. So who is richer, actually? But the Apostle Paul is giving a warning. Why is it that he is warning those people who are rich? And yet last week, we focused on even those who are desiring to be rich. Let's, let's, let's look at last week's verse. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, he said, But those who desire to be rich fall into a what? Into temptation, into a snare or a trap. Those who desire to be rich fall into a what? A temptation. Now, how many of you sometimes are tempted? I am, I am, okay, I am. Jesus was tempted, remember that? He went to the wilderness, tempted three times, okay? So there's nothing wrong with, wrong with temptation as long as you don't succumb to temptation. But the Bible says those who are eagerly desiring to be rich, there is an intense desire to be rich, fall into a temptation and a trap. And this is a warning for those who are not yet rich but getting there. In fact, the trap here is greed. You talked about that last week. And when you talk about the spirit of greed, the spirit of greed says, I want more. There's a continuous desire to increase our wealth and nothing wrong with promotion, nothing wrong with gain as long as you do it God's way. You know, I'm just so blessed with the testimony of Judge Lisa. She's now the RTC judge in Pasig. And so, just the journey. And I believe there's nothing wrong with being promoted. Amen. I mean, if you would like to be promoted, please raise your hand. I hope you do. I hope that we land in jobs and positions that will actually cause more influence for the other people so that they may know more about Jesus. Ultimately, it's not about us. It's about glorifying His name. Are we here this morning? So there's nothing wrong with desiring for gain, okay? But the spirit of greed is an insatiable desire to just have something more, a little bit more, a little bit more to the detriment of our priorities. Greed would say, I want more. Poverty would say, I don't have enough. Would you agree with me on that? A spirit of poverty would say, I don't have enough. But in reality, greed and poverty are actually first cousins, if not brothers. Because conversely, poverty can also say, I want more. And greed can say, I don't have enough. So in reality, this is such a subtle thing that can actually lodge in our hearts. And if we're not careful, we can fall into temptation or into a trap that really sends many people into ruin and destruction. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, the Lord says, Even but the cares of the world and the what? Deceitfulness of 
riches. You know, riches can actually deceive us sometimes. Of course, we talked about this last week that money in itself is not evil. How many of you know that money is not evil? It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. If you think money is evil, give it to me. I'm, I'm going to make it good, okay? <laughs> because the reality is money is a magnifier. It magnifies. I'm just kidding, okay? Don't give it to me. Give it to other people, okay? But money is a magnifier. Whatever it is that you have, basically when you have money, it magnifies the real you. So if you are, for example, a you know, generous person, even if you have nothing, and if you would treat people in whatever, Jollibee, or if you would give candies to them, you just have a desire to give to people, and you're generous, can you imagine if you have money, you multiply the effect. It's a multiplier. It's a magnifier. So now because you have a generous heart, what happens is you become a philanthropist. Hopefully, if you don't get trapped by the deceitfulness of riches. But on the other hand, if you have a bad heart, because, you know, really, even the word says, the evil things that come in, it's actually a revelation coming from the hearts of men. Deceitfulness, adultery, immorality, lust, greed, it comes out from the heart of men. So if a person was bad, maybe a small-time or maybe a petty thief in the company, can you imagine if given opportunity to have bigger wealth, can you imagine that's going to be a big-time robber in whatever position that he has? So money is a magnifier. But yet you look at this, and Jesus is giving us a warning that riches can sometimes be deceitful. And it says that desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, I remember a story of one rich guy in, in, in the U.S. His name is Roger Morgan. And the story goes that he was a poor person coming from the mountains, went to the city, made his millions. And he was a successful businessman. Unfortunately, because of the stock market crash in, in 1912 and the Great Depression, the Great Depression was a time when businessmen or uh, rich people would jump off the building to end their life because of losing a lot of money. You know, Roger went to the edge of the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge and was about to jump. And one of his friends happened to walk by and saw him and said, Roger, what are you doing? And he said, you know, get away from me because I'm thinking. And this is what he said. Leave me alone. I'm trying to think. I know there's something more important than money. I just forgot what it is. Because sometimes we can be so consumed with money that if we lose money, we think that that's the end of our life. How many of you know that money is not the ultimate thing in life? Amen. There are a lot more things more important than wealth. Hello. Would you agree with me on that? How many of you would consider your family as more important than wealth? How many of you would consider that your health is more important than wealth? Because we may all be wealthy but if we're sick, how many of you know that sometimes all our wealth can be funneled into hospital bills and doctors and procedures and ultimately it's gone because health is wealth. Turn to the person beside you and tell that person, exercise. I'm preaching to myself, okay? As I tell you this, I am the first one saying, ouch. Health is wealth. Eat right. Have moderation in your priorities. You know, 
Don't wear yourself out to be rich, the Bible says. It is okay for you to sleep and rest and have a day off and enjoy your family. Even God Himself took a day off. Not because He was tired. When He created the first, you know, in the, in the first six days of creation, on the seventh day, you remember that? He took a Sabbath and He rested. Why did He rest? Was it because God was tired? No. God never goes tired. But yet the reason why He stopped is so He can enjoy His creation and appreciate the relationships that He has, particularly with man. And I believe that God has given us a good day. Some of you have two days off. Okay? A day so that we can actually celebrate and enjoy our time with our family. It's okay for us to enjoy. In fact, even in Psalm 127 verse 2, the Bible says, For He grants sleep to those He loves. The footnote of that particular verse says, While you are sleeping, God makes money work for you. Don't wear yourself out to be rich. God will take care of us. Amen? Once again, turn to the person beside you and tell that person, God will take care of you. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Another reminder. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and what? Love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here we can see that the comparison of our allegiance or devotion is not between God and the devil. It didn't say here you cannot serve both God and devil. It said both God and money because money can take the place of God in our hearts. It is so deceitful that we don't know that money is already a God if we're not careful about this. There's a deception that money brings if we get consumed with it. That's why going back to the verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or arrogant or proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on who? God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Three times this word rich has been mentioned in this verse. As for the rich, it talks about the people. And then it says here, on the uncertainty of riches. The nature of wealth is uncertain sometimes. You know, we think that we have it all made. We think that this is a good investment. We think that this bank is solid. This, we think that this business is solid. But in reality, how many of you know that sometimes wealth can be so uncertain? Here today, gone tomorrow. And then he says, but on God, who what? Richly. The true source of wealth really is not your company. It is not your boss. And I know that some of you are expecting your 13th month pay already. And you know, if, get, if it gets there, some thing in you say HR, right? You know, you look at them, release our bonus or, you know. They're not our boss. God is our source. Amen. God is the one who richly provides us with what? Everything to enjoy. You know, God is not a killjoy. God wants to give to us so that we can enjoy His provision. God wants us to enjoy His provision. I want to focus on two words here, hopes and uncertainty, or another word for uncertainty is security. What is hope? 
Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen or a ground for believing that something good may happen in the future. We're so familiar with this verse. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Hope deals with the future. We believe God today that He will take care of our future. Amen. How many of you are looking for a bright future for your family and for your children? Amen. A bright hope for us. But the Bible says, do not put your faith or hope on the uncertainty of riches. Because this is not what will bring us hope. The riches that we have right now is not what will secure our family. I hope that we get the message. I'm not talking about bad stewardship here. I'm talking about, yes, we need to be good stewards, but in our stewardship before the Lord, and in our, you know, when He gives us things to take care of, that we don't put our faith on the material things, but rather on the blesser and not the blessings. Amen. When you talk about security, security is not just the person there who greets you in the morning in the lobby, right? With a dog, you know, of course, that's security. But when you talk about security, is a state or a feeling of being safe, not just being safe, but stable and free from fear and anxiety. You know, we long to have security in our homes, security in our family, right? When you talk about being secure in your investment, you know that, okay, this is foolproof. We know that we can actually trust this thing. But what really does give us security? Who brings us real security here? The Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. How many of you know that the name of the Lord, God Himself, is the best source of security for us? He's the one that secures us. The Bible says, the righteous run to Him and they are safe. Whatever it is that you need, whether it's in the area of finance, whether it's in the area of health, in the area of your family, in your emotions, your need. God is a strong tower that we can stand. He's not like a, a building built on shifting sands that when there's a 1.5 magnitude earthquake, it topples. How many of you know, no matter how strong an earthquake is, if we are secure in our foundation with God, we will be safe. People have actually used this word financial freedom as a way of securing us. But what does financial freedom really mean? You know, they made a definition of financial freedom as having a lot of money so that you can do what you want when you want it. You know, people are looking at, you know, I want to retire rich. I want to be able to secure my future at the age of 65 or maybe 70. If I am no longer working, I still have financial freedom to finance me and my activities at the same time enjoy my family Nothing wrong with that. We want that. But is that really the real meaning of financial freedom? Financial freedom, is it just about having a lot of money so that we can do what we want anytime we want to do it? I believe financial freedom is being free from the lure and the trap of money. That is what real financial freedom is. Because money can be a trap. Riches can actually be a lure. Money can actually entrap us if we're not very careful with that. I'd like to read from another version here. From the NLT version, New Living Translation, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so what? Unreliable. So here we can see two parts of the verse. 
He's talking about rich in this world, not to be proud or not to be haughty or arrogant, not to put their trust in money. Money is so what? Unreliable. But their trust should be in, in God who what? Who richly gives us all we need. And when the Bible says all, what does that mean? It means all. No exception. So here we see two parts. You know, people trusting in their wealth and people trusting in their God. What does wealth give us? You know, wealth can give us false security here or false hope because wealth is unreliable versus trusting in the God that we serve who is really very consistent, very reliable, and ultimately very faithful. And you're probably thinking, uh, Lord, so where am I? Am I the one who's trusting in the wealth? Or am I the one trusting in God? Let's look at that for, for a moment. Where do we put our trust? Maybe this can be a quick test for us this morning. Where do we put our trust? Do we put our trust in the riches of this world? Or do we put our trust in the richness of our God? Pastor, richness of our God. Sure, we can actually say that. And that's our desire. And really, I know that it is everyone's desire to put our trust in the richness of our God. But when push comes to shove, when you're actually facing a bill or when you're actually facing a situation, a financial thing in your life or maybe a, you know, a health issue and you need, you need finances to, you know, it's sometimes shaking you know, where we stand. Do we put our trust in the money flow? Because sometimes we actually make decisions based on the flow of money. When we look at, you know, there's an opportunity here, you know, back in the, I think, a few years ago when it was so lucrative for people to take nursing and go to the States or go to Canada, guess which is the biggest course among universities? It's nursing. People are going for nursing because they think that that is the future, right? They focus on or make decisions based on money flow versus money source. Don't think that if this thing is flowing with money right now, that it will continue to do that. Because if we rely on the flow, how many of you know that the source may be cut off eventually? That's why my encouragement is to go back to God and say, God... What do you want me to do? I don't want to make decisions based on money. In reality, we want to go back to the money source. He is the source. Amen. God is the source of wealth. We rely on the riches or the richness of our God. Amen. And my God shall supply all my need according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I remember my dad, when I was on my decision-making whether I should pursue the ministry or do business. Because uh, during that time, there was a, like a craze back in the early 90s of multi-level marketing. And, and yeah, if you're in networking, I'm nothing against networking, okay? I was part of networking before. And so there were so many opportunities. I was traveling, and so, uh, you know, we would open up new markets. We went to Hong Kong. We went to Dubai. And so... You know, I thought that that was it. That was like, this is where God is leading me because 
I even remembered, you know, I received a prophetic word that God's going to prosper us. And so, so I was kind of using that as a way for me to justify my going for business rather than going for the pastoring. But Pastor Steve actually spoke to me and said, you know, I discern that you are really called to be a pastor. How many of you know that it's, it's really good to have leaders over us? But yet, deep inside of me, I was trying to convince myself and trying to convince God. Can you imagine trying to convince God? Lord, you're the one who told me that you're going to prosper me. And so I was trying to convince my wife, love, we're going to travel, we're going to do this. You know, I'm trying to, but in the heart of heart of my wife, she's so convinced we're called to be in the ministry. Maybe one of the factors that actually helped me make a decision was my dad. So I went to my dad, and my dad was a business person. He was a successful businessman back in the 80s when he was running a bus service here in the South. Uh, for those of you who were like my batch, you know, the Marquez bus service was my dad. So, um, and, and he gave me a counsel and advice, and I was hoping that he would give me an advice since he was a businessman and he was an accountant as well, just like me, that he would get, give me a, just go, go for business. And you know, that's really your, your calling and that's who we are as a family. But this is interestingly what my dad told me. Do not make a decision based on money. And that really just, boom, hit me. And then I went back to my wife and went back to Pastor Steve and basically made a decision that I'm not going to go for the money uh, thing, but I'm going to obey the call of God in my life. And I'm glad that I am a pastor right now with no regrets. Amen. I hope you're glad that I'm a pastor also. But anyway... (laughs) But in reality, you know, I can still prove that God has been faithful to us over the years. The Bible says, He will not let the righteous go hungry, nor his children beg for bread. How many of you know that God is the ultimate source of blessing in our life? Follow the calling of God in your life. Do not follow a money flow. Follow the money source. God is the source of our wealth. Amen. We should not make decisions based on the opportunities out there. Interestingly, if you look at the dollar bill, what does it say here in the back? In God we trust. But is that really reflective of the economy of the U.S. wherein they actually say that on their bill, but yet removing the Bible and removing religious freedom from their institution? It's still there. In God we trust, but is that really a reality? What about the peso bill? It says right in front here. I'm not really sure if you can read this. Pinagpala ang bayan na ang Diyos ay ang Panginoon. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Can you imagine? On our bill is written this scripture. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It's a declaration of blessing upon our nation. Amen. That God will bless us. But it doesn't follow automatically that even if we put this verse on the bill that we're going to be blessed because the blessing really depends on the source. And where do you put your faith and security in? Do you put your faith and security on this bill? Or do we put our faith and security in God? Quickly, here are the signs that we trust in our wealth. Very quickly, number one, when we value money more than God in His Word, then maybe that's a sign that we're putting our trust more on our wealth rather than God. Remember what happened to Judas Iscariot? He basically sold his master, his Lord, for 30 pieces of silver. 
he compromised. And he actually made the deal of a lifetime. 30 pieces of silver. So that I can you know, gain something. And yet, he betrayed our Lord and Savior. When we value money more than integrity of our name, that you would do everything that you can so that you can actually gain from a deal to the detriment of your name. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, a good name is better than riches, to be highly esteemed better than silver or gold. That we need to protect our good name. You know, it is not worth destroying your name just because you want to get wealthy. Another sign of us putting our trust in wealth is when we value money more than our relationships and our family. When we start making decisions based on the need, based on opportunities, that we actually somehow put our family aside because our desire anyway is so that we can be a successful breadwinner. How many of you know that it is really our role to provide for our families? That is good. But not to the detriment or not to the putting of the risk of our kids by leaving them. I'd like to show you a short clip on an interview of uh, certain OFWs. And at the same time, on the, I think on the other room, their children were also being interviewed. And a different response of, uh, of the children based on their experience uh, with their parents. Meron akong pangarap na pag sa pamilya ko, pag nagkapamilya ako, kung ano may yung hindi ko nang na, na, nakuha nung bata ako, gusto kong ibigay sa kanila. Bali po kasi yung chances po kasi dito, hindi naman po ako ma-promote for regularity. After my graduation, bumiyay na ako na Singapore. Nandun ang opportunities ko in order for me to, uh, I could say, fight for a living na magbigay ng magandang kinabukas ng anak namin. Uh, sa Pilipinas, not enough yung, ano, yung sahod as being a food server or bartender. Uh, so yung wage ko po sa dalawa kong anak, single mother, hindi ko po kayang masustain ko ano po yung kailangan nila. I wish that my dad can find a good work here at Philippines and the same as my mother. Masikip sa dip-dip. Narealize ko na mahal nila ako kasi minsan hindi kami ganun ka-expressive. Andun na nga yung namiss ko yung childhood nila eh. Pati ba naman yung adulthood na magbibenatara sila. Hindi kasi enough yung kahit sabihin nating high-tech na ngayon, technology. Tech, Skype, Internet, whatever. Iba pa rin po kasi pag personal mo silang kasama.
wipe your tears for a while. <laughs> and I want to be sensitive because this is such a big issue in our country. But this is not just based on opinions of foreigners. These are Filipinos themselves and, you know, actual feelings of children growing up in OFW homes. I guess my, my, um, the message really is, if there's an opportunity abroad, you know, as I, I think I used the example of Conrad Reyes last week. Conrad worked two years in Malaysia for three years, but every time he would travel, he would actually pray for opportunities for the whole family to go with him. Guess what happened? Every time he would travel, he would indeed bring the entire family with him. And opportunities were given to them to study abroad and even, you know, being able to be together as a family. So if you feel that that is your call to go abroad, then believe God and pray that you will actually tag along and bring the entire family with you. Because I think we are made to be together. A family unit is made to be together. And sometimes you think that, you know, this is just a temporary thing, just one year or two years. But the reality is those one year and two years can turn into five years and ten years. And ultimately, you have missed the formative years of your children. You've missed the, you know, walking on graduation in, for kindergarten or maybe the best years of your kids playing football or baseball, maybe a piano recital or maybe... You know, the time that when she needs you for advice because there's someone in her class who's courting her to become his girlfriend, and so, and we're not there. And so, it's not worth the risk. And so, I, I want to be extra careful here. I'm not saying that we don't, but I'm saying that there are effects when we do make this decision. Let's move on. Signs that we are trusting our wealth more than God is when we value money more than our health. That, you know, sometimes we're unstoppable. And, you know, I guess when you're young, when you're in your 20s or 30s, you can actually do that. But the reality is, you know, there's a payback. If you mismanage your priorities by not taking care of your bodies, guess what? In your 40s and 50s, you will feel the payback. And so let's, you know, have some restraint even in the area of working. And let's do put some premium in our health as well. When we value more our money more than our calling from God, and I just actually said to you my experience earlier. There's this guy by the name of Adolf Merkel who was a multi-billionaire. He was considered the 94th richest man in the world, according to Forbes magazine in 2008. And he's worth a lot of billions, and he put up a lot of uh, companies and conglomerates. Unfortunately, some bad decisions happened, and uh, the business turned into a bad swing downwards. And so he lost a lot of money. He's still rich, but yet, maybe I don't know how many billions he's lost. But yet, what he did was, he just basically ended his life because of the loss that he had and thought that, you know, I am a failure and my future is no longer secure because I have lost a lot of money. This is somehow one of the signs that we have actually put more weight and more trust and more hope in money when we hear situations like this. 
In Luke chapter 12, verse 15 to 21, Jesus was approached by a brother, two brothers actually, and he was asking, the brother was asking Jesus, can you stand as an arbiter with us because my brother wants to take on the inheritance? So he said to the, to the brother, he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist on the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, I'm just going to read through it. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and will build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. How many of you know that this is a very talented businessman? Right? Nothing wrong with this. Of course, if you already, for example, if we know that it's already tight in Festival Mall, it's time to start a new venue here in Akasha. Okay? I mean, if you look at it this way, what he's done was good stewardship. You know, when God provided a, an increase, he, you know, he actually gave opportunities and infrastructure to build more, you know, more roads for the increase, more barns, and to store his grain and goods. Unfortunately, there's something wrong with the heart, not just the external, but the heart. And he said, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things later for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? How many of you know we cannot bring our riches to the grave? No matter how much we have, we will leave everything behind. Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Let's be rich in God. What are the signs that we are trusting in God? It's also very quickly. These are the signs that we trust in God. Number one, when we make God our first option, if we're in the verge of making a decision, who do you want to call? Ghostbusters. Okay? You call God first and say, God, you know, what does this you know, look like? You know, I'm on a crossroad here. I'm making a decision. We go to God. Let's ask for an advice. Amen. You know, we ask God, make a decision based on integrity and based on our convictions as well. Make God our first option. Secondly, we rejoice even in the midst of great needs. Instead of complaining and instead of murmuring, but we need to be grateful. Everybody say grateful. Amen. Even in the midst of needs, we ought to be grateful. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We know that we put our trust in the Lord, that even if we seem to have lack, we know that ultimately God will provide. That we will not be shaken. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will never pass away. When He says, I will be there. I will be faithful. I will provide for you. How many of you know that God will provide? God is a faithful God. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise and honor Him? God will provide. You know, when it comes to the provision of God, God is both predictable and unpredictable. Do you know that? Have you noticed that? He is predictable because He always comes through with us and for us. But He is unpredictable in how He provides. Right? How many of you have had needs before? Please raise your hand. Konti lang. All of us, right? 
How many of you would say that God was faithful to provide those needs? Amen. But how many of you had experienced in the past a certain lack and yet you don't know how it's going to come in? That's where the unpredictability comes in, right? And that's where our faith would come in. Because God wants us to depend on Him in those times. We know that God's character is already set. He's, you know, he, it's foolproof. But yet, the way He would provide, He will make a way so that He will prove His faithfulness to us and open doors of miracles. And I have a lot of stories about this, but we just don't have time right now. But I know that you all have your stories as well. Look in your past. The predictability of God was that God is faithful. He always met you at your point of need. But sometimes, there's a little kaba. Lord, where are you? Hello, I'm waiting. And that's the unpredictability. The unpredictability portion is what actually develops our faith muscles to continue to put our trust in the Lord. Can you imagine? Because God will not just put it on a silver platter. You know, if He does that, then we will not trust Him in him anymore. Somehow the children in the desert knew for a fact that every time they would wake up in the morning, they will see manna in the desert. That's the predictability there. But yet, when they got tired of manna, they said, manna na naman. They cry out for meat. And the unpredictability of God provided quail in the desert that they had quail in the morning and quail in the evening and yet God continued to provide. Amen? Another sign is that we have God's peace in our hearts. When you go through a situation of you know, shaking, maybe you know, health-wise, financial-wise, family-wise, you know, whatever it is, you have God's peace. You know that you know that you know that you can trust God. We do not forget God in times of plenty. Here's another sign that we trust in God because many times when you're in lack or in need, you cry out to God, right? But sometimes when we are in plenty, we forget God. We forgo church. BC, I have a schedule on Sundays. Anyway, I'm tithing. We forget God in times of plenty. You know, I remember Pastor Sidey was sharing this story of a friend that he prayed for. A friend went to him one time desperate, asking for advice and prayer. And so the friend, uh, the friend was saying, uh, bro, can you pray for me because I don't have a job. And so he prayed. And then uh, after a few weeks, he didn't see the friend anymore. And then one time, you know, after I don't know how many several weeks or months, he finally met him, you know, I think he bumped into, they bumped into each other uh, in the mall. And he asked, so how are you? Pastor, you, you, will not, you will not believe this, but I got promoted. You know, God has been good to me. You know, but then Pasani said, but why are you not in church? Oh, I'm so busy. You know, God will understand, okay? Can you pray for me again so that I can actually increase? And Pastor Sani said, okay, I will pray for you that you will lose your job so that you'll go back to church. Let's not forget God. Amen. In times of plenty, we will be guided by God. And I just read this very short verse in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 11, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes which I command you today. When you have eaten and are full, 
and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied. How many of you want that? Okay, that can happen. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But in verse 18, it says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is today. Let's not forget God. In times of plenty, in times of prosperity, don't ever forget God. It's easy to remember God in our times of need. We always cry out to God, Lord, help! But in times of plenty, let's go back to God and say, God, thank you. I want to glorify and honor you with what I have right now. Use me. That's our prayer. And lastly, let's be guided by God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your path straight. My main point, I want to end with this. True security comes in trusting God, not in riches. Can we just read this statement right now? One, two, three. True security comes in trusting God, not in riches. You want to be secure? We want to have a bright future? Let's trust the Lord. Trust God. Let's bow our heads right now as we close in prayer. Can we just once again lay our hands on our heart? Father, we just ask that you would change our hearts. Help us to guard our hearts against all kinds of greed and the deceitfulness of riches, as you have said in your word. Teach us not to be haughty, Lord, by putting our trust on the riches of this world, which is really uncertain and unreliable. But help us to put our trust in you, the God who richly provides us with everything that we need, and even for our enjoyment, Lord. We thank you that we can put our trust in you. Father, we repent, Lord, if we have put our trust in our wealth, in our money, in our riches, Lord, that sometimes we have made wrong priorities and we have left out the things that really matter, those things that are more important in life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. Lord, even today we declare that we will put our trust in you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is so faithful to us. Lord, no matter how difficult or uphill our climb is in the area of finance or our business or our employment, Lord, maybe some of us don't even have jobs, but Lord, ultimately, we will look to you as our source. You are the blesser. We will not focus on the blessing. We will focus on you, God. You are our Father who will never uh, let your children uh, be left out, Lord God, if we can actually look at the birds in the air, Lord God, how you have taken care of them, and look at the lilies in the field, how you've clothed them, how much more we, who are more important in your eyes, Lord God, that you did not withhold anything, Lord God, but you even gave your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, your very own son, your only begotten son. Can you put your hands down as we continue to pray and close our eyes and bow our heads? If you're here this morning, 
And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to give you an invitation right now. I want you to raise up your hand if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Please put up your hand so I can pray for you. Anyone at all? Just lift it up right now if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes, God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Yes. If you're raising up your hand, can we just can we just pray with them? Can you pray this prayer with me? Can you say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am in need of a Savior because I am a sinner. Thank you for giving your life on the cross to become the payment of my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcast.